welcome to Building with Bluebird, the design and renovation podcast brought to you by Christian Case and Jeremy Thomason, directors of Bluebird Design and Build. Highlighting the do's and don'ts of renovating or building your dream home, this podcast will give you the insider's guide to the home building journey. As well as interviewing other industry specialists, Christian and Jeremy bring their knowledge and expertise to the table for you, the people. Now, let's get into this episode. And if you enjoy, please like, share, and subscribe. Hey guys, welcome back to episode two of Building with Bluebird. I'm Jeremy and I'm here with Christian. Today we're discussing the four phases of the build process. There's the preliminary stage, the design stage, costing and contracts, and then finally construction. So we'll touch on all of those today and then on the following episodes we'll drill down into more detail on each of those. Great. So stage one is preliminary. What is the goal of the project? Is it for a family home? Are you doing a development? Are you looking to flip it? Basically, what is the goal of the project and what are you hoping to achieve? This will determine a lot of things as well. This will determine your level of finish. Sometimes if you're living in this home and going to live there for 20 years, you can overcapitalize a little bit, spend a little bit more just to make yourself a bit comfortable and get exactly what you want. Put that pool in. Yeah, that's it. Instead of staging it. Whereas if it's a development and you've got a budget you really need to hit, then obviously that plays a big role. Yeah, for sure. The second area of preliminary is obviously the finance. Have you spoken to your financial provider? Do you know what your total project budget is? Is the project feasible and are you overcapitalizing? This happens a lot where people don't actually go talk to their financial advisor first. It's quite odd, but that's normally what drives our process. Yeah, well, if you don't know your budget, how do you know what you're going to be able to build or what you should be building on a specific site? The next thing in preliminary stage is site acquisition. Have you purchased the site yet? Are you looking to purchase the site? We can help you with that as well in terms of finding the correct site. And is it a reno or a knockdown project? Can you actually knock the existing home down? A lot of homes in Brisbane, you can't actually do that. It also comes into play in terms of budget as well. Yeah, I think that's a big one. A lot of people will buy a site with an old house on it and think that they can just knock it over and build a new one. But what area are you in? What sort of code overlays do you have? Restrictions on site. So that leads us to stage two, which is design. Obviously, this is one of the fun parts for most people because it's such a visual and exciting time. So engaging the right architect or designer, who do you actually need? Do you need a drafty? Do you need a building designer? Or do you need an architect? What's the difference between... The three of those. Yes. And then next one in that is engaging a building and design consultant at the same time. So this is probably a big one that everybody misses, engaging your builder and whoever the design consultant at the same time so they can work together. We've sort of eliminated that process because we're all in-house with design and construction. But if you're doing your design or your build with somebody else, then Find a builder that's got somebody already in mind or find an architect or building designer that's already got a builder they work with. Yeah. I mean, unless you've got an unlimited budget. Yes. Which you may. Not a lot of people do, but that might be... the perfect client. Yeah, that might be you. So if that's the case, then maybe don't worry about it. But if you have a fixed budget, then definitely find a builder to work alongside your designer and engage that builder as a consultant, just as you would an engineer or a certifier and pay them for their time because... If you find the right one, they're going to help you make sure that the set of drawings you get from your designer at the end of the process can be built within close proximity to your budget. Otherwise, 
as we've seen so many times, you'll end up with a set of pretty drawings that you can't afford to build within your project budget. Correct. Next stage of design is how much to allow for pre-construction. A lot of people don't know, but you need quite a few consultants during the design phase. Surveyor, soil testing, sometimes hydraulics. Survey's a big one. A lot of people don't get a survey. However, your fences might be in the wrong location. That can be a big issue in terms of how close you can go to your boundaries. If your boundaries aren't in the right location, you might have found that you've got an extra half a metre on your property that you haven't realised you've had for years. So making sure that your designer gets all those consultants done. Normally, we say to allow for probably 3 or 4% of your total budget goes to your preliminary consultants. That's excluding your designers. Yeah, and you'll need to have that cash up front too because you can't, at this stage, finance that as part of the build. Yeah, part of your building loan. You'll need some money up front to be able to pay for all these upfront consultants that are required before your plans are finished and before you get approval through your financial institution to build. So under stage two design, another big item is know your budget. The budget drives the whole project. That should be well communicated to everybody. Yeah, tell your builder and your designer your budget. Don't give them a fake number and think that they're going to come in lower because that never happens. <laughs> no, give we them don't build number. to it. Yeah, not that we do it, but I don't know anybody that builds to a client's budget. They always try to obviously know that you're going to be going out to other builders. So everyone's trying to be competitive and so they'll cost it at the cost rates they need to. Yeah. So have a wish list as well for your design. That's a big one. A lot of people just come to us and they're like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. We obviously have a process where we go through a checklist and try and figure out how you use your household. But knowing exactly what you want helps. Also under the design is your functionality of the home, how it works for you, your finishes. Have you looked at your finishes? Have you looked at the style that you're wanting to achieve? Have you got carried away? Have a chat to designers and builders and see how they gauge their pricing in your pricing and your budget to see if it's actually realistic. And how's your designer managing your expectations? Are they the designers that get all excited as well, which is great? Are they a yes man or a yes woman who just say yes to everything you want without considering how that affects the budget? Yeah, I think it's about being honest about everything and just being upfront. It's easier to rip the Band-Aid off straight away and have that hard chat than have it down the road where you've just got excited and all compounds and then it's just a really deflating process. And then obviously... Reality versus the dream, just because you want it doesn't mean you can have it. That's always a thing with us is let's get a wish list that's actually what you want and then also put them in an order that's the most important to the least important because then those items at the bottom of the list can be removed if the budget's not aligning with what you want. Yeah, that's right. This is probably one that bothers us the most. (laughs) Is your architect or designer designing for you or for them? It's a funny one in our industry that there's a little thing that we've always thought that builders build for the client, whereas designers are building for the designer. So They're designing for themselves for their next job. In explaining that, that the builder's just quoting on the job, like, yeah, we want to build great homes, but we're building what has been presented in front of us. There's no changing of that, whereas the designer can design anything that they want. They're designing for the face of their company, their portfolio. So making sure that those items all align is a big one. So making sure that they're going to give you what you want. There's no stupid questions. Just ask them. If you don't understand what they've drawn, that's a big one as well, actually. We'll probably touch on that. Yeah, because most people, when they look at a set of plans, they can't visualize how it's going to look. 
and they shouldn't feel bad about that because no, you it, don't look at plans. No, you... it comes with practice. It's like anything. The more you look at plans, in particular, the better you get at understanding how it's going to be actually when it's constructed. And if your architect or building designer isn't using a three D software that can show you actually what it's going to look like. In this day and age, I think you should be finding a new architect or designer because that sort of technology is just... Oh, it's been around for years. It's the standard now. Yeah. Presenting realistic or some sort of render visual showing exactly what's going on because reading a flat set of drawings, a 2D set of drawings is not in everyone's tool chest. Like they can't actually do it. And it's not your fault because it's quite hard to do. And just 2D is not really acceptable anymore. No, not in this day and age with the software we've got out there. It's quite easy to do. So that leads us to stage three, costing and contracts. This touches back on being honest with your budget. I think being honest from the beginning with everybody makes the job a lot easier. It's quite funny how we've had in the past where clients have come up with some extra money here and there. (laughs) Oh, actually, we've got a bit more money. Yeah, so they've pulled things out during the costing process and then it's been put back in during construction, which can actually cost more. It's cheaper to make a change on drawings than it is on site. So we've always been saying and advising clients, always be honest straight from the beginning. We'll try and get you that. Just touching on what you said about cheaper changing it on paper, this is why it's so important to not rush the stage before, which is design. Correct. And make sure you get it all right, get it properly drafted and designed and have a proper set of documentation. So once the construction or costing and contracts start, everyone knows what's being priced. And it can all be planned out because as the builder is pricing a job, they're actually thinking about how it's going to be built too. Um, and ordering. Yeah, that's right. Currently, we're in November at the moment in 2021. Ordering for us for timber is taking 12 weeks plus. So, yeah, so if we ordered a set of timber trusses today, we would probably see them in April. I like that you still count with your fingers. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do a lot with my fingers. <laughs> right, yeah. And then moves on to. We do a preliminary checklist in the costing and contracts so that we can make sure everything's covered. That's basically like taps and everything like that. Then have you allowed for the following? Have you got a contingency in your budget? Have you got the correct consultants engaged, town planners, certifiers, hydraulic engineers, structural engineers, and do you need an interior designer? What a lot of people don't realize for box gutters, it's great to have a hydraulic engineer sign off on that. I think in some cases you actually have to. Under legislation moving forward, I think that depends on the building certifier and what they require. But in our office, we always require a hydraulic engineer to be engaged. They're not that expensive. They're only a couple hundred dollars. But it's just having that peace of mind knowing that these things have been designed correctly and by the correct professionals. Yeah, builders aren't experts in how a box gutter works in terms of catchment and size and the amount of water it holds and falls. So like any other specialized area of building. We need someone to design that for us so we know exactly what we're building. Have you allowed for landscaping in your budget as well? This is a big one. A lot of people don't. They always leave it for after. There's nothing worse than finishing a beautiful home and then it's just surrounded by dirt. (laughs) It's fairly depressing. Yeah. And it's also what they don't realize is it's quite dirty. Dirt will track into your house via wind and everything like that quite quickly. So just spending five grand or allowing five to 10 on landscaping, just to get some grass down will also reduce a bit of stress when you're moving in and keep the house clean until you can actually decide. But I think one of these things is landscaping is always the first to go when the budget's really tight, which I think is wrong because in Queensland and Brisbane, we spend a lot of time outdoors. So why not get those areas nice and finished? Yeah, agreed. 
Also, under costing and contracts, what's your square meter rate? Has your designer allowed? Is it realistic? Does that include civil works? We normally allow for a new custom build anything from 2,500 a square meter up. A reno starts at 2,900 up. High-end architectural, we're looking at 4,000, 4,500 a square meter working upwards. And that's not the building footprint. A lot of people just think it's the building footprint. It's the upstairs and downstairs square meterage of your house. It's a good way to work things out quickly. And as Jeremy pointed out on a previous episode, we actually do a case study after each project, find out what the project actually costs, and then we work out, go backwards and create a little item on what little scope of what the project was and what was involved in it and what the actual total bill price came to, and then work it back from a square meterage that way. So then we present this to clients and go, hey, this is something that's similar to yours and this is where it was at based on this date. And then that's the basis for the design and the square meterage to start with. Yeah, it just helps the design team really get that initial square meterage right so that later on in the design phase, we're not ripping out nice finishes and things like that to try and bring the budget back. And then how detailed should a build quote be? This is ridiculous sometimes. We'll do a full episode on this. Yeah, we could talk about this for hours. But in terms of if you're spending anything from... 100,000 upwards, a two-page quote is not sufficient. We provide basically a quantity surveyor's report, basically of a breakdown of every material you get. Sometimes these quotes can be up to 20 pages long outlining materials and scope of works, but we'll touch on this more in a further episode just because there's so much that we can go into on what should be included in your build quote. Yeah, I mean, it needs to be fully detailed. That's so it's fair for both the client and the builder because just because something is assumed to be included by a client, that doesn't mean that it has been. If it's not specifically noted on the drawings, then you need to check, is there a notation on the quote about it? Like, is a new boundary fence included or is landscaping included or all these sorts of things that if they're missed can cause real headaches and put strain on the relationship between the client and builder down the track. Yeah. So the next one is what happens when your build quote comes back over the allocated budget? And what is the next step? This is another one we can go on for at least an hour, but these podcasts we want to keep pretty short. So when you're taking a drive home, you can listen to them. Normally, just quickly, if your bill quote comes back over your budget, normally what we'll do is we'll highlight some areas where you can reduce it without trying to sacrifice too much and then go back through the pricing. But hopefully if you've done stage two correctly with design, this won't happen. And then the last point is in all the projects we've costed, the design is normally 20 to 30% over. This is not our designs, by the way. Yeah, it's not our designs. It's external parties. Building designers, architects. And it's not their fault. That's the thing. Yeah. The issue is people not working together and communicating. Big thing is getting the correct team in place. Yeah. Building designers and architects aren't experts in costing. So that's why it is always so far off because they don't know. They're not aware of all the price increases and especially at the moment, timber and steel going up at such a rapid rate. It's not possible for them to stay on top of those rates. Yeah, so it's about getting the correct team together and everybody communicating and talking. So like the designers chatting to the construction team and just bouncing ideas back and forth and just saying, hey, where are you seeing this sitting at and just working together. But again, it's a better time to have a cost blowout before construction starts. So if it has come back over budget, it's not the end of the world and that's when you really just start reworking the design, tweaking finishes to try and bring it back. So next stage is stage four, which is construction. If you've done stage one, two, and three, stage four is the easiest part. 
It's the same process over and over for us. Start earthworks, we start footings. At least it should be. Yes. So that's the whole point of why we're moved together in terms of working everything together in-house, just to make these processes a lot quicker and a lot more efficient and easier. How often should you be meeting your builder during construction? So construction started, how often should you be meeting on site? We do every once a month. And We've that, also got an online system that gives you access to the owner to log on and they can see photos, they can see an actual timeline, they can see yep. drawings, they can see any invoices, what's left to be paid, what's been paid, just basically any question that the client has, it gives them this portal that they can go to and all our communication is through that back and forth. We do a lot of our photos uploaded onto that just for our own records, but it's also great for the client to see what's happening on site if they're away and those meetings on site are basically just updates and just to tackle any questions you may have and every builder should be doing this. Communication is the key on any project. Yeah, that's right. And under construction, how long does your build going to take? Raise and build normally between six to eight months, depending on the size of the house, obviously, and the complexity. And then the new homes is a lot quicker, depending on the finish. At the moment. Yeah, it depends on the lead time though. Yeah. So we used to be able to sign a contract and then start within a couple of weeks or a month. That is not the case anymore. You need at least three, four months minimum from signing a contract to starting construction, just because of the lead times on every trade at the moment. It's meaning everyone has to now be a lot more organized. As you said, gone are the days of signing a contract and then just kicking off a couple of weeks later. That's impossible in this current market with lead times on materials. So getting more organized is essential at the moment. So we'll touch on all of these four stages in more detail and further podcasts. But basically, those four stages, we believe, are the best way to break it down and work through your process. So you've got stage one, which is the preliminary, which is the focusing on what is the budget, what is the actual goal of the project. Then you move into your stage two, which is design, making sure that you've got the correct design. Does it allocate to your budget? And then we've got stage three, which is costing and contracts, which if stage one and two have been done correctly, stage three of costing should be a breeze. This is where you break everything down, detail everything. And then stage four is just basically the fun stuff where the construction starts and the exciting part and you actually get to see your dream come out of the ground. And hopefully if you've done one, two and three correctly, stage four is a breeze. That's right. I think that's it for today. Great. Well, next week we'll start tackling in those four phases and we'll start on the preliminary and get more into detail. So subscribe and tune in and hopefully we'll see you next time. Catch you then.